Today in our gospel reading, we're given a very interesting image of John the Baptist. If we pay very close attention to John the Baptist's life and what we hear today in our gospel reading, they seem to be very just, just positioned in, in how it's presented. Because when we look and talk about St. John the Baptist, we think about a precursor to God, a messenger, a prophet going out into the world preaching a message of repentance, of change, going out to the desert, living out a life of true asceticism, and then going out to the Jordan and baptizing everyone in the waters of repentance. And then as Jesus comes and gets baptized by John the Baptist, he identifies him as God. He identifies him as the Messiah that everyone has been waiting for. He identifies him as the one we've been longing and hoping and wanting for. But yet today in our gospel reading, he's in prison. He's in prison and then sends out his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we're waiting for? The man who saw and identified the Messiah at the River Jordan is now unsure of Jesus' true nature unsure of Jesus' divinity, unsure of Jesus if he is truly the Messiah. I think you and I can really relate and connect with that image. Because so many times in our lives we have so many questions, so many doubts, so many fears. Some of us sitting here in this pews have questioned whether or not that piece of bread, that chalice filled with wine, becomes truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Others may wonder why I'm even here as Catholic. Does God really exist? Is there such, such thing as true God? Others have wrestled and are challenged by the faith and the difficulties and challenges of the faith, living out a moral life, living a life of virtue, of holiness. These last couple of days for me internally, I've been wrestling with the fact of is true, is eternal life actually true? For so many years, I've lived with the principle, live and love everyone as if there's no tomorrow. Care for others and treat others as they want to be treated and live and love them so that if they pass today, tomorrow, there's no regrets. Live a life of peace, of joy, oriented towards Christ. But yet, the last two, Wednesday, my grandmother has passed away, and I've questioned all of that. To live in doubt and fear, because if I thought those principles that came from the gospel message truly was going to be my guiding principle of life, why do I still feel bad? Why am I still struggling with the pains of that loss? Why am I mourning the loss still? Because if I live the life the way the gospel calls and entrusted me to, then there should be no pain. There should be no suffering. There should be no challenges and difficulties. There shouldn't even be doubt for that matter. But why is there still doubt, uncertainty within my own heart? I think we get the answers to all of that in the two analogies we hear in our first reading and in our gospel, in our second reading. The first analogy and image we hear in the book of the prophet Isaiah is a barren desert where there are blossoms, 
flourishes and grows with a simple rain. The image of a desert is a very much a place in which we go out, a place in which we rip apart all the necessaries of life and really focus on the difficult questions and the challenges of life. But in the desert, we see through Scripture, plays a very crucial and important part. Because Moses, for example, Paul, the other example, and many others throughout Scripture, they enter the desert as one person. And they leave the desert anew because of what the desert can do to you when you allow the waters of the rain to penetrate and enter into your life. The example of St. Paul is he comes in not believing and leaves out as the most strong prophet, as a strong messenger, as a strong disciple of Jesus Christ. And he shares and is convicted by that experience he has in the desert. But that desert moment for us leads us to a lot of doubts, uncertainties, and fears. But that time is for us to really begin to wrestle, to allow God to enter into our lives and our difficulties. Because in allowing that difficulty to be wrestled with, to penetrate deep into our hearts, the water, the waters of baptism, the water that Christ becomes and brings into our life chains a barren desert into a flourishing ground with fruits and bears a lot of fruits. Because our image of the desert is barren and nothing can possibly grow. And as I heard that part in Scripture, I was like, okay, I don't really believe that this is the case. I don't trust this part of Scripture. So let me Google this and let me do some research to see if Desert water can really bring about flourishing and blossoming. And the interesting is it does. After the four, four o'clock mass last night, someone walked up to me and shared a story about their own experience of that. They've grown up in Las Vegas, Nevada for so many years. And one year, it was kind of barren and dry. And all of a sudden, the, the winter they had a lot of rain throughout the, the, the winter season. And all of a sudden, the barren desert of Las Vegas begins to flourish and grow and blossom and green. And what was interesting he shared with me was the fact that scientists went out to really look at that barren area and do some research on those plants that have grown. What they found out was a lot of those plants, the seeds were were scattered there for years, some say as long as 75 years, and have been sitting dormant in the desert sand for, ye for 75 years. And now with that water, 75 years later, it begins to blossom, begins to grow, begins to flourish. So that doubt, that fear that we have, that we carry within ourselves, will not be answered immediately. We're not going to automatically be able to understand how the body, blood, soul, and divinity is dwelling in the bread and the wine. We're not going to be able to comprehend and understand all the mysteries of faith. But if we allow that water to grow, to nourish, at one point and at some point in our life, we will truly come to understand. And that point is when the kingdom of God is at hand. So we see, we hear, we've talked about these last couple of weeks, the kingdom of God is at hand. 
We know that God came 2,000 years ago, born in Bethlehem in a manger. And so we too are waiting still for his second coming in glory. He comes to us in the Holy Spirit, but we're still waiting for his second coming in glory. But for most of us, some of us have been sitting here waiting 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And we're still waiting for the kingdom of God is at hand. Paul writes in his, his letters to the different communities, come on my brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God is at hand. And we, even later after Paul, are still waiting. So what are we waiting for and how do we wait? Because when we wait, we get antsy, we get uncomfortable. I remember growing up as a kid, especially this time of year, I hated waiting for Christmas because I could see and know that my parents were getting ready to purchase the Christmas gifts. They're wrapping the Christmas gifts and they're hiding it all over the house so we could never find it. So it was always this time of year where I would go and dig through all of my mom's secret hiding places and begin to search and find out what she got me for Christmas. Because I was one of those kids, I couldn't wait till Christmas. I needed to know today, and I wanted to play with it today. And as years progressed, I got, I got so well, I got so skilled at peeling the tape off the wrapping paper to really be able to see what was in the, the wrapping paper and then sealed it back up as well as I could to be able to figure out what that was. But in all of that, we know within ourselves, waiting, the waiting game is not a fun game to do. But today in our letter to St. James, we're called to be patient. That second image we're given today is the image of a farmer. Farmers trust that what they do will flourish and grow. They will end up with crops. At the beginning of the season, they'll plant the seed down. Every day, every moment of their life, they're working to cultivate, to grow whatever they've planted. But they never know. They're, they're kind of playing this gamble, this risk game. Because if the weather doesn't work out, they may not have a harvest. If there's a flash freeze, it, the harvest may not work out but they still remain persistent and consistent in cultivating, in nourishing, in watering their plants so that if a harvest is permitted, if everything works out, they will still have fruits. They will still have a harvest to cultivate and to clean. So for us, that image invites us to consistently stay persistent, to continue to work to cultivate that strength, that virtue, that rejoicing, that trusting in the Lord. Yes, we may have doubts. Yes, we may have fears. But the more that we empty ourselves out and allow God to penetrate deeper into our lives, we begin to see the fruits. We hear and we see in our gospel reading today, Jesus doesn't straight out and answer, yes, I'm the Messiah when the disciples of John the Baptist asked. But instead, he says, look at everything the Messiah has done. The lame walk, the deaf speak, the mute hear. All of these things are signs and wonders of the Lord's blessing in the world and how he's worked and acted in the world and how he's begun to change and cultivate authentic and right relationship towards God. 
Those are ways in which we begin to see within the doubts, the fears of our lives, what it truly means to live out that Christian faith. What it truly means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and how we can quench that doubt, that fear that we have in the midst of all the uncertainties of life. But what is different and challenging also in the life of patience is in that we just don't work and cultivate the season one year and call it a day. The image of a farmer invites us to cultivate and to get better at our craft, to get better at our trade. So every year a farmer cultivates and harvests their fruits. Their technique re is refined year after year after year. They become more efficient in what they do. They become more, they be, they're able to expand their crops. They're able to do it better. So every year as we continue to rejoice and cultivate this Adventus in our lives, not just in this Advent season, but every day and every moment of our life awaiting for that second coming of God in glory, we work every year, day in and day out, to get better, to become better, to become holier. But most importantly, it's not just about me. It's not just about the crops I gain. But the crop, the harvest that we gain is meant to be shared, to give out to others. And so as we cultivate the adventures in our own lives, we're called to share that light of Christ to the world. Through our words, through our actions and our deeds, through the service of our brothers and sisters. Because just as the image that Jesus gives us, he didn't answer yes. He went out and did these things. We too, therefore, are called to go out and do those things simultaneously. We wait, we act. We wait, we act. And so we're called, therefore, to go out and serve our brothers and sisters as we too wait as we too wrestle with those questions of the mystery, we, as we too wrestle with the doubts of God and the fear of God, we too there share that experience with those around us. And so my dear brothers and sisters, as we continue our Advent journey, we're called today to rejoice. We're rejoicing because there's more to everything than what meets the eye. Our doubt, our fears, just like John the Baptist, is not something that we stumble, we hinder, or we're afraid of. But it's an invitation for us to enter into that desert place, to wrestle with those difficult questions, to be patient and comfortable and okay with the fact that we may not get the answer today. We may not get the answer tomorrow. We may not even get the answers 10 years down the line. But if we consistently remain patient and persistent in what we do, our desert, the barren desert of our hearts, our minds, our souls, will begin to conform and change and be transformed into not just a barren desert, but fruitful ground for harvest. So let us, my dear brothers and sisters, work and continue to prepare for God's second coming in glory prepare our hearts, our minds for Christmas, for the coming of Christ, so that he has a worthy dwelling place within our hearts. Amen.